we're going? We are. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Caffeinate Your Career. We're a few minutes late. There were some streaming issues, but we are live. Today's topic, Andy Cook. <laughs> you are the topic. <laughs> I've never been a topic. You are I'm the sure topic. I've been a topic before. <laughs> but this is the first time I was part of it. <laughs> I am your host, the career coach with the most, Jason Hopper. With me today is the sensational Senior Director of Career and Financial Services, Ms. Allison Harding. Hi, everybody. And with us today, we've got a special guest, Andy Cook. Andy, welcome to Caffeinate Your Career. I am checking to see if we are live. I'm also looking for that same thing. And let's see. So while he's doing that, and while she's doing that, um, I'm going to give our commercial. So, it's me. Pardon? Um, we are Jewish Family Service of Greater Dallas. We're here to help everybody around the country. We can now do Zoom um, resourcing to help you out with your future career and how you want to search for it. Please give us a call at 972-437-9950, extension 379. Leave a message, and we will definitely get back to you and talk to you about where you want to go, what you want to do, and how you want to get there. Love it. Are we ready? There it goes. There we go. Yep. We are live. I do see three people popping in, four people popping in right now. Guys, if you're in the chat, be active in the chat. Get connected to each other in the chat. You never know who somebody is going to know. Also, too, you know what happened last week, what I did? I said that I was going to do a giveaway, and then I forgot. So, stay <laughs> till the end, and uh, if I will do, I will give away something at the end uh, of the show. So, uh, Andy. Yes. Give us your 30-second commercial. Tell us who you are. Oh, um, who am I indeed? I am a job search strategist, and I started out my career in education where I loved everything about what I did except for the pay. And so I kind yeah. of fled education to pursue financial freedom. At that time, my son was a freshman in high school, and I knew I had to figure out how I was going to pay for college. So like most recruiters, I kind of crash landed into recruiting because none of us grew up thinking this is what we want to do right. because I didn't even know it was an option. But my recruiter on a contract assignment said, hey, Andy, I see something in you that I think you would make a great recruiter. Will you try it? And I had whirlwind success. Um, back in 2020, I had been recruiting for about six years. I had been a recruiting manager. COVID happened. It was a terrible market for recruiters. And one thing that I had gotten that was resumes. And I knew the best candidate was not the resume format that I use today. And um, it's worked really well. I've helped over 500 people land jobs in the last three years. That's awesome. And so it's been an exciting, exciting journey. Yes. <laughs> it's fun. It's, um, that was more than 30 seconds. That's okay. You're, <laughs> but you're, um, I've, I've seen resumes that you have written. 
for for people, um, and it is definitely identifiable. Love it. For Love sure. It. Um, and so, what is the thing that you look for the most in a resume? So, I want to be able to tell in ten seconds what you're bringing to the table, and that you have ten seconds for a, a hiring leader to decide no, and thirty seconds for a yes. So if you can keep their attention for that 30 seconds, your chances for a call have skyrocketed. And I always say that it's yes, no, maybe on a resume, right? Yes gets a phone call for an interview. No gets a rejection notice. And it's that black hole of maybe that gets us so frustrated. And yeah. what a maybe means is I have questions that aren't answered on this piece of paper that I would have to ask you, but that takes more time than what I have right now. Because I think what a lot of people don't understand is how fast recruiting moves. Right. And so we don't have time to call every candidate. And you're talking about hours and hours and hours worth of work that we just move faster than, than what we can do that with. Right. So, yeah, we talk about uh, how, like, like the fat, how fast recruiters work. It's what, six to 12 seconds on eyeballs on a resume? Absolutely. For a no, like I can decide in 10 seconds or less, no, on a resume. And a lot of times, like, I'll hit Control F, which is the search feature, and I'm looking for keywords. Um, and those keywords are going to be your, what words would you look for if you, were, if you were hiring someone to do your job, right? So if I'm looking for a recruiter, I'm going to Control F searching, Control F LinkedIn. I'm going to search for tools. I'm going to search for uh, sourcing or specific skills that it would take that if you were an actual recruiter, this would be on your resume. And if I have failed to put that in there, I'm going to get passed up for opportunities I may be the most qualified candidate for, but I just didn't word it in the right way. Yeah, I think the key words, we talk about them all the time. Yeah. And, and people, I think, sometimes place so much emphasis on the key words that they don't have, add oftentimes what the um, meat of their story Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And so one of the things we do, and you probably do it too, is we ask candidates to look at seven to ten um, jobs mm -hmm. on the job board. Love it. And use those keywords that are most often used right. in all those seven to ten. Absolutely. Throughout the resume. Because some it. people put it all in the story and mm -hmm. some people will put it in, you know, 2022 or right. whatever it is. Right. But it, it's got to... The whole resume has to fulfill Absolutely. the thing. Absolutely. And I think we get confused about what words do I use and how often do mm -hmm. I use them. Use them as many times as is relevant, right? Um, I'm not a huge fan of just listing core competencies, core competencies as a list, right? That's not my favorite practice. So how I do it is um, I list a core competency like dedicated servant leader. And then I give you a sentence or two about what makes that my claim to fame. So my core competency section is just, it's some highlighted, I pick five to seven of my top skills that are most relevant to this position. And then I explain them. So it's not just a word not attached to anything. And I think recruiters have been burned so many times by people just putting a word or a technology on there that they're not an expert in. By adding supporting evidence to it, it actually makes it my claim to fame. It, it's one of the things that I, I caution clients about. It, when they put, they start putting those descriptors in there, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, uh, you know, if like uh, adept at 
or because your definition of like what is great and mine could be t totally different. Well, it's the same as we talked about Microsoft Office. <clears throat> you know, excellent Microsoft Office skills. Well, what means excellent right. for one person is something else right. to, to another person. So, and also, it's not an achievement. And right. so, when we look at our skills as achievements, what have I achieved in this? Adept at, not an achievement. It's uh, adept at isn't a quantifiable or expert knowledge in. That's not a quantifiable amount. And so, it's I take off words like knowledge of, adept at, uh, responsible for. Oh my gosh, responsible for. Responsible for. Responsible. <laughs> Guys, if you have responsible for on your resume, it is old, it is tired, and recruiters are going to look at it and just roll their eyes and think that, well. Well, it tells me what you were tasked with, but it doesn't tell me what you did, right? Yeah. So if you change responsible for leading client development and change that to developed client relationships, now I have an action that you did, not just what tasks you were given. Yes. Yeah. I, when I go to help clients and wordsmith resumes, the first thing I do, how many prepositional phrases can I eliminate? Right. With, Absolutely. In the, in the description. Because it, it just tightens it up yeah. and makes it stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. More words doesn't make it better. It just makes more words. So yes. More words. Absolutely. More words. Um, so here's a really fun thing that I do with uh, people when I'm going through their resume. I hit control F and I find the word to, T-O, and look how many times can we change the word to to the word that. So okay. I developed a strategy to build or to expand our market reach, or I developed a strategy that expanded our market reach. One is an achievement, the other is a task. And so if we just change one word, it can change the entire connotation of yeah. what we're saying. And I always start a bullet point with a verb. Yeah, yeah, of course. Always. Action verb. Absolutely. Action verb. And I make sure that I don't repeat the same verbs over and over. Yes, definitely. Yes. Because that's... <laughs> it's, it's, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as I look at resumes, the minute I see it start to become repetitive, I stop reading. Right. I now have all the information I need. That that was one of the challenges uh, for writing my resume because I was mm -hmm. a recruiter for I was 14 years, right? And so it was recruited dental professionals, recruited warehouse yes. people, right? Right. It's just like the same thing over and over. Right. Until I, you know, got it and I was an on-site manager. By the way, I see you out there, Phil Buckmeyer. Good morning. <laughs> um, and what's the best way for people to show those transferable skills? So I'm a visual person, right? So the visual that I have on a resume when I'm looking at transferable skills is arrows. How do I get all of the arrows from your work history pointing in the same direction? Okay. And so if I'm looking at going from, I'm working with somebody right now that's going from hands-on business development sales into more client success account management. So we went through and how do we get all of the arrows pointed that way? Well, it's not cold calling. It's developing client relationships. How did I save endangered accounts? How did I um, expand lines of business with our existing accounts? How, what did I do related to where I'm trying to go? And I think sometimes on our resume, we feel the need to like rehash our job history or every task or our job descriptions. Um, and instead of doing that, if we will just point those arrows in, every bullet point has to pass the, why do they care about this test? Why does this mean something to them? What does it tell them I can do to solve problems for their company? 
and what are they specifically asking me for? A lot of times I think we hear the words overqualified when we've given them too much information that they don't know what to do with. And so they're, they're going, hey, I think you're overqualified for this role, but really that translates into, I just don't know what to do with you. Mm-hmm. I think that you have great skills, but I'm looking for this and you just gave me this. Yeah. I, uh, and so what? And so what? And so what? Right. I just went over this with a client yesterday and she was had all the, the information. I said, mm-hmm. and so what? How is that going to solve the employer's problem? Exactly. Right. And once we can kind of identify that, it's a little right. better. Allison? No, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And, and one of the phrases that and a client 10 years ago taught me is when someone says, you know, I think you might be overqualified, that the person can respond with, I, I, I can't agree with that. I believe I'm equally qualified. Mm-hmm. But what I can do is come in and make your life easier. Yeah. And so t- moving that to, oh, how could you do that? Right. Changes the whole thought Absolutely. processing of the person I love it. A strategy I teach for people who may be taking a step back. So sometimes I'll use the example when I went from recruiting manager into in the seat recruiter and I was taking a step back on job description. But what I was doing was expanding. I wanted in technology. So I took a step back to grow in a space that I wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. So in that interview, I had to be very cautious that I used supportive language like partnered with, collaborated with not managed and led, directed, that's leadership language. So if I'm coming in for a job that I know I may be overqualified for, I need to switch the script. I need to use more supportive language, help you make your life easier. What gaps are you experiencing that you hope I will fulfill? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the thing that makes the difference. I agree. Is the, is the, the stories. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about interviews. Let's talk about interviews. What do candidates need to do to get prepared for an interview? Okay. So my best secret magical tip <laughs> is log into Zoom by yourself and hit that record button and start practicing common interview questions. Every single job out there, if you Google common interview questions for sales, common interview questions for software development, they're going to be. And practice watching yourself. Take the time to really work on that. Have a resume or an interview expert go over that with you. Work with the right people because if you're not watching yourself, you're going to miss those little nuances. Mm -hmm. And so I think one, the best thing is practice answering the questions on camera, but also practice answering all of your questions in less than two minutes. So I'm even tighter than you. Yeah. I say 90 seconds. Because I love two it. minutes, man, I'm, I'm writing I agree. My, my grocery list. I love it. I and love so it. So in 90 seconds, I've gained your attention. Mm-hmm. And if you want more information, yes. that builds a relationship. You start asking, yes. I start answering. And now we're going back and forth. So this is a strategy that I teach. And I love that you went here. So it, think of it like a tennis match or volleyball. It only gets really interesting when it's back and forth. Exactly. Right? right? Yeah. And so when I serve the ball to you by asking you a question and you answer and then return a question back to me, there's this natural ebb and flow of a conversation that happens mm-hmm. that I love. And so I'm a fan of the question, hey, did that answer your question or would you like for me to go into more detail? 
that lets them know I know more without actually having to throw up everything on them. I always teach my clients, we don't get married on the first date, You're right? right. <laughs> so I don't You're have right. to tell you everything I know <laughs> yeah. in the first 30 seconds. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make is we try to close the interview in the intro. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. People want to, you know, this is my only chance. I'm going to vomit everything. everything. Well, guess what? When you do that, there's nothing left for yes. me to want to go to. Yes. I've already turned off or I've made some decisions that may not be positive for you. Right. We want it to be positive for you. Absolutely. So you give, you know, absolutely. a little bit. I, I think, I think uh, absolutely. But one, the first thing that you said, practice. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because I think a lot of times candidates, they just show up to the interview and just try to wing it. And mm -hmm. that's just not going to work. Right. Um, you know, you have to know how to answer those questions. Like you just said, like, yeah. what are the common questions? You have to know how to answer the questions. Yes. And if you don't know how to answer the questions and you need help in a <laughs> career coach, you can call us here at 972 uh, 437 <laughs> Nine nine five zero extension three seven nine. Leave a message, and somebody from the team will get back to you in forty eight hours. Also, we are now doing um, Zoom mock interviews. Love it, so that you can practice. Yes, so you can leave a message at that same number, or you could email Jason at jhopper at jfsdallas.org. Yep, they are virtual today. That's today. Yeah, it is today. Today's full up. You can't do it today, but next time. I've got, uh, I've got on the 27th, one o'clock and two o'clock spots. So if you want to do mock interviews, they are virtual. I got a whole team of people. Professionals. Hiring, hiring managers. Love it. That will be interviewing you. So hit me up if you want to do that. I will get you on the list and we'll get that rolling. But you've got to practice your interviews. And, and I think Andy's right. If you don't get into one of these groups, and you can't talk to a professional to help you, do your own Zoom. Yeah. You know, look at yourself. And, and when you're finished, the question you ask yourself, which I talk about with all my clients, would I hire me? Right. And if the answer is no, then you have to practice some more. Yeah. If the answer is, oh, I did pretty good on that. I think I could improve this and this. Yeah. Do it again with those changes. I love the concept of developing an interview strategy. So think about how much time you're going to allot on each section. Mm -hmm. What's the most important thing you're bringing to the table? And that will help you. Okay, maybe I spend that 90 seconds over here, but over here I try to wrap it up in 30. Right. And so have a strategy. And I think those interview practices, and I don't think it has to be either or. Like practice with yourself and then also practice with professionals. Sure. Um, that way you're getting those reps in because you can never be over prepared for an interview. No. Another thing I think people do is we get caught up in the personal. Like we start with, tell me about yourself. And now we've told them about our kids, our health issues. We've told them about all of the things. How we got yes. there. And we yeah. spend all this time. And if I spend 15 minutes talking on a personal level with someone, we may walk out going, hey, I'd like to, you know, have happy hour with them sometime, but I don't know what to do with them professionally. Exactly. And so we feel like, man, that interview was amazing because we had a connection. Mm -hmm. But what we missed out is an opportunity to work for them because they don't know what to do with us. So you have to remember your resume is the overview of who you are. Yeah. You don't want to vomit everything that you already have on here. Right. You want to add depth to what you put on your resume. Absolutely. And that's what the interview can help you do.
Absolutely. Right. The resume is just something for them to kind of look at. They already know you have the skill. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gotten the call to be in this chair. Right. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, um, I just got a text message from our uh, client service manager and trainer, Phil Kanicki, who said, we are also doing Microsoft Office classes. They are virtual. They are free. Go to LinkedIn, uh, the JFS homepage on LinkedIn. That's where you're watching right now. And uh, sign up for those classes. That is such a vital thing that you guys are, service that you provide. Um, those basic skills will take people so far. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, we so have, good. I love that y'all do yeah, that. We have Word, Excel, Advanced Excel, and PowerPoint. I love it. It can make all the difference in the world. Of course. So. And a great, incredibly great trainer. Love it. Yes. From all accounts, Phil is amazing. My first probably five years of my career was developed on my Microsoft skills and my customer service abilities. Oh, absolutely. And I think if people can nail those down, it will drive their career. For sure. Uh, Andy, are there any can't or go-to questions that you just ask in an interview? Like, what's As your an great, interviewer? Yeah. Like, what's your greatest strength or what's your greatest weakness? Do, so, do you have any of those? I do want to know people's greatest weakness. And it's because I want to see how honest you'll be with me. Um, it has less to do about, and I want to know, like, if you're, if you have no filter and you're like, well, I can't show up to work on time. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> um, but if you'll tell me something, like I have a standard answer to this. Of, um, I would say something like, you know, Jason, I believe that every strength when out of balance becomes a weakness. So while my superpower is my ability to stay organized, when out of balance becomes OCD really quick. So I've had to learn to put measures in place to strive for excellence, not perfection. Right? It's that simple. If you can find a way to make your superpower and look at it objectively, this see if I get this out of balance in my life, it becomes an obsession. It becomes my weakness. Um, your people skills when out of balance has you talking around the office all day. So what do you do <laughs> to, to like balance that? And I think if we can open that door, I always a hundred percent of the time ask people what they're reading. Not only because I read an insane amount of books. I'm like, it's 68 books for this year. Um, and wow. it's like, I read all the time, but Somebody told me early in my career, successful, successful people read. I want to know what are you doing to continue to grow? And so it doesn't have to be a novel or a book. It could be articles. How are you staying current? Are you taking classes? And so I usually will follow up, you know, what's the last book you've read? Okay, what's the last class you've taken? And I just want to know kind of how are you learning and growing and driving your own development not waiting for somebody to hand you opportunities, but how are you going out there and going, man, I'm going to own my career. I'm going to create the life that I want to live. Yeah. Awesome. Do you, do you no, I think it's great. I'm in two book clubs, so I love it. I love reading. We just became so. best friends. <laughs> I, no, that's absolutely correct. I read and, the paper every morning. And before I come to work. Yes. Elsa actually gets a copy of the Dallas Morning News. Yeah. I, I mean, love I love having the newspaper yeah, the with my cup of coffee. I just, you know, I know it's old-fashioned, and I am older, so maybe what, it's just that. But <laughs> I just, it's my happy place. I love it. It's, it's one of the things, too, and you hit that nail on the head, Andy, is you have to be up-to-date and current on all the things. And oh, because that's the thing. That people, and I, oh my God, it drives me so crazy when I see, because I pop in, I pop in the LinkedIn live yeah. things, right? And I see some of the experts 
and they're still talking about the same tactics <laughs> that they were talking about, I don't know, three years ago. And even the market is so different today than it was in 2020, yeah, and yeah, especially than it was 10 years ago. And so if somebody's not part of active hiring practices, maybe they're not your best expert. Or if they, if the only reason they're available to help you with your job search is because they can't find a job, maybe they're also not <laughs> your expert. So, so, so let, let's stop here for just one second, okay? Because even though I, I, that's my previous statement sounded a little harsh, I am going to say this. I do believe that everything works to some degree, right? Tell me more. All tactics are going to work. I'll give you an example, right? You know. You know I agree with this. I know you do. You, I, I'm not new here. It's like, so I do know, and you know, that video still gets the most push into people's feeds on LinkedIn, right? No? What does? Text. The algorithm's favorite. Does it go back the other way? It never really changed. A lot of marketers pushed video, but when you look at what the algorithms on LinkedIn push, it's actually text. So that's why I use a varied approach because videos get the longest view time on, but it doesn't get the most number of hits. So what about, okay, so let's back that up. Okay. Okay. So if that's the case, how are you going to be the most visible then? So you want a combination. Okay. You want a combination. You want some photo-driven uh, posts. You want some text-driven posts. If you notice on my LinkedIn, I use text-driven posts. I use hashtags. I use, yes. um, I tag relevant people. I'm not a fan of random tags. Um, that's like cold calling. Don't do it. Um, but if something's relevant, then tag somebody. And then it also boosts in the algorithm. If I tag you and you engage with it, you have now validated that, it boosts. Right. Um, so okay. what people don't know about LinkedIn is it's not 100% algorithm driven. There are actually humans that drive the feed process that um, the content developers and creators and reviewers all kind of work together. So there are algorithms like the algorithm that it doesn't count as engagement if you don't use eight words. That's right. Right. Commenting with intent. Exactly. Right. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're saying more than, I always say, I, I speak mom, right? So I can say everything I need to say in two words. Stop it, get out, be quiet, right? <laughs> um, and so that's how I communicate. I've had to change that for LinkedIn. Instead of just saying, congrats, I now, hey, congratulations on your new role. Best of luck. They're lucky to have you. I have to expand on my thoughts because it's engaging with insight is what it's looking yeah. for. So when you're posting, you want at least 12 words on there. You want to use hashtags that are relevant, not more than three to five, because then it looks like a spam. But if they notice within a certain allotted time, so it's like 15 minutes, if people are engaging with your post, that'll actually kick over to the review team. They have the option to thumbs up, thumbs down that post. Um, grammar counts, like when they look at it, is this content that we as a platform want people engaging with? And so the more engagement that you have, so look at the times of day you're posting. I always say, look at when are people most on the platform, right before work, during lunch breaks, and right after work. So what times are you posting? Are you being consistent? That will all help your, your help the algorithm. That's good. Yeah. But this is where I struggle sometimes because 
about three years ago in the job search community, we began to use sales and marketing strategies for job search instead of recruiting strategies for job search. And so we didn't do a lot of really in-depth studies. We started going, oh, well, this works for this platform. I'll use that. And actually, some of the information is just not best practices for the recruiting network and how LinkedIn actually works on the back end. Very good. So when you um, are recruiting, where do you look for candidates? Okay, so this has also changed in 2023. I now 100% use LinkedIn Recruiter. I no longer use job boards. Um, I, if I use a job board, it would be Indeed, and it's going to be for a very specific type of position. It would be for people I couldn't find on LinkedIn. So I would think like your touch labor type of roles mm-hmm. uh, that uh, people who more the blue collar um, environment, that's what I'm going to find on Indeed. If I have a high end technology, I'll go to Dice mm-hmm. um, sometimes uh, to see who's actively looking. But everything I need in the ROI is actually there for LinkedIn Recruiter. So why? Why? Why is it um, so well? Because you're... A lot of people are using it now yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. What has led you to that? What do they do better or differently? So you can very quickly, as a touch of a button, set your profile for being open to work, which will help me know that you're open for work. The search is very robust, so I can start broad and drill down, or I can start really narrow and, and broaden out. Um, being able to, at the click of a button, reach out to you and you can respond, you know, whenever you're ready. I'm one of those recruiters that hates like smile and dial was never my approach. And so I, right. I just, it's nobody wants to be spammed. And so if I can send you a message just saying, Hey, I have a position I would like to talk about with you. Here's what I see. And I'm more specific than a lot of recruiters because I wanted them to know why I reached out to them. Um, that I know you are at this point in your career and I have a role, here's the details, and I'm very transparent about those details, like if it's on-site or what's our salary range, if I have that information to share. And so I think for me, it just really has streamlined my process in addition to on the recruiter side, guys, if you've never seen it, reach out to me, I will show you a demo, but I can build pipelines with people and manage it right there. And I can't do that on any other job board. That's great. Yeah. So if you're having trouble on LinkedIn and you're not getting those hits that you think you should, talk to Jason Hopper. Yes. He's like our expert and works with a lot of people and learns new things like from Andy, what to do and how to change. And we keep up with all current trends, uh, taking classes, listening to people, talking to people. So, yeah. Andy, why is networking so important? So... This is what, the best way I can say this is, who you know opens doors that no no other opportunity will open. What you know allows you to walk through them. And so you can, it's good statement, repeat that. That's great. Thanks. Who you know opens doors that no other strategy will open. And what you know allows you to walk through those doors. Uh, Networking is essential if you're like pivoting your career. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, Because the ATS isn't really going to work in your favor on that. So having an old manager tag you for a job. I I work at uh, Lambera as a recruiter, and how I got that role is my old manager from Matrix tagged me in a post where they were looking for a recruiter. He's like, hey, Andy, this one's for you. Me and Stephanie connected. I'm now working there. And so I think 
that was a networking opportunity using a LinkedIn tool. Yeah. Right. When I look at the data on how my clients land, 50% of it comes through online applications. And I know there's so many experts out there telling you ATSs don't work. 50% of my clients are landing through them. They're, you know, and the rest is split up between LinkedIn and networking. Networking is essential. Um, if you're starting your career, use your network, use your parents' network, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If you're transitioning, so think of a clock, right? 12 o'clock is what you do where you do it, okay? That's closest to the money. If you pivot to the left, we go 11 o'clock. That's what you do in a new company, right? Just a small pivot. Or pivot to the right, 1 o'clock would be same company, different role. So an internal transfer. But if I get all the way to six o'clock, which is new role, new industry, new company, all of the things are different. It's harder for me to land that job because with every application, there's so many other little tick marks along that clock that is closer to the money for what they're looking for, which makes it harder for me to get through the applicant tracking system because I'm just not going to be the strongest candidate. But if I now have somebody vouching on my behalf, if if Jason calls me and like, hey, I worked with Andy in the past and I'm telling you she did this, this, and this, and you just need to have a conversation mm-hmm. with her. I think it would work. You're much more likely to talk to me mm-hmm. yeah. and at least have that conversation. And then we can get to know each other. This is where positions get created that weren't there before. We were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. This is where you tra- change industries. I What I call, uh, call crossing industry verticals, I've done it three times. And it's when I built my career in one area and now I'm pivoting to a whole new area without starting completely over. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how I ended up here. I happen to know Mitch and a few posters got posted and I reached out to him, gave my resume to Allison. Allison called me two days later and made a good decision in hiring me. <laughs> yes, love it. And he's right, we did. <laughs> Thank you, Allison. Um, uh, Andy, what do you think about chat GPT or other AI for jobs? That's a loaded question. It is a loaded question. So first of all, I don't, I'm not one of the people that thinks AI is taking over our life. No. Um, but where I want people to be cautious with chat GPT is one of the things I always check for on a resume is plagiarism. And so it will tell me the percentage of the text in your resume that can be found anywhere on the web. Grammarly will do that. Microsoft Word will now do that as part of their editor, I look at those things. I want to know how much of this is regurgitated from other places. Mm -hmm. So if I'm using ChatGPT to come up with ideas and then I'm making them my own and I'm changing that language, great. I love it as a resource. But if I'm using that to entirely create my resume, one, it's not going to sound like my voice. Um, And it's really important, guys. All of your collateral has to align. The person who I read on paper, who I see on LinkedIn, and who is sitting in front of me in an interview needs to be the same person or I won't trust you. Something will seem off. And I think every hiring manager can has experienced that at one time or another where you're sitting across from someone and you're looking at the resume and going, huh? Like, and sometimes it's in a positive way. Like, oh, I had no idea you were this amazing. But most of the time it's, are you sure this was you on paper? Because you can't speak to any of these things. And you can't give me real examples or star stories. And um, so I really kind of hesitate with ChatGBT if you're not um, if you're not customizing it and really tailoring it to make it your own. And I, ha- I agree with you 100%. But also, 
oftentimes, not often, sometimes a recruiter is talking to someone and you're asking those questions and not getting the answers that you had anticipated or were looking for. And you ask the person, have you done these things? Well, a friend of mine wrote my resume right. or I went to a resume writer and she did it. What, did you look it over or change Exactly. It or, you're or, responsible for the content exactly, on the Exactly. Exactly. When so, yes. When I write the resume, we spend 30 minutes to an hour together oh, going yeah. through there and on the front end um, so that I can capture their voice because good resume writing is ghostwriting. I want it to sound like you, but with some glitter, you know. Um, <laughs> and so I just want to polish it. And sometimes it's a complete overhaul. And sometimes it's, hey, let's let's change the order of the words here. And, right. and it's like editing. But then there's other times that... Somebody's like, no, just do it. And I actually won't do that because I can't, I don't know your accomplishments right. and I'm not going to make them out uh, or make them up. And on the back end, we go through all the changes. Is this true to your integrity? By changing the words, did I change the meaning of what you were saying here? And also a ghostwriter will put in words of things that you haven't done. And so when you look at it and you say, oh, that sounds good. But if you haven't done it and you're asked about it, there goes the possibility of your You've lost position. so much credibility. Um, and it's not intentional. It's that this is the way they write. Right. So therefore, it must work. Absolutely. It Absolutely. might not be true. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, so I've, I've seen one or two uh, chat GPT resumes that were they're pretty good. And yeah. they were good because it wrote it to what the ATS was. I just had a client send me one. Uh, Sunday, and she goes, what do, you, what do you think? I'm like, oh my God. Like, everything was out of whack. Like, the skills were up here next to her her name and contact information. And, like, like every it was just all over the place. And so it did not look, like, format-wise, first off, it sure. didn't look good. And then the second part of it, it was, I was like, huh, well, that's not going to work. Right. Well, also, and I truly believe this from when I was a recruiter now, um, don't use a template. Oh, write right. it yourself because you never know where anything's going to be. Cool. So with the applicant tracking system, so a lot of the templates don't work. Right, and guys. For the love of all things holy, <laughs> do not use a Canva template for your resume. Oh my God! Why would you? Okay. Because so Canva has some really great right. templates. Trying to edit those is a nightmare. Trying to like pull out the information and put it back into a Word doc. You can't do it. You can't. And so uh, don't do it. Don't use templates at all. Yeah. Figure out how to do it or come to get get a a coach to help you. But don't use a template. The ATS can't see the information inside text boxes anyway. So your resume is scoring like a zero when you're using these templates. Um, A lot of the applicant tracking systems can't parse out a table. Every single Microsoft template for resumes is written in a table. And so if you're putting that through an online tracking system and you're not getting any results and you've applied for 400 jobs, it's your resume. Yeah, yeah. Our, our statement to people is if you're not getting three to five hits a week on your resume, there's something the matter with it. Yes. So when I worked in the school, I was on the behavior team. What we have as a strategy is working backwards from goal, right? So the goal is get a job. If you're not getting a job, but you're getting interviews, we need to work on your interview. If you're applying for jobs, but not getting request interview request we need to work on your resume work backwards from the goal um if you're get, you know if you're not applying if you're using the wrong strategy 
and there, there are so many different things, but we troubleshoot backwards from our goal mm -hmm. and we find that broken link so that we can fix it and move forward. Sometimes there's more than one broken link. Oftentimes, yeah. Yes. Um, so, Andy, we're getting pretty close to time. All right. Oh yeah, God, went by fast. very fast. Um, I talk a lot. So, you talk, <laughs> you talk just, you don't talk a lot. You talk just the right amount so that the host can just sit there and quietly listen and ask questions and follow up. <laughs> just like, I'm overqualified. No, you're not. You're just the right amount of qualified. Mm -hmm. Okay. Love it. I know. Any final thoughts? You know, I would say work with the experts. And whether that's here with a coach or however that looks, don't think that you have it all down. If you're frustrated in your job search or if you're uncertain about your job search, it's time to get help and, and reach out. Um, there are services that are worth paying for. Nobody ever, ever landed their dream job on accident or by a shortcut. Good point. Uh, and Andy, how can people find you and contact you? The easiest way is andycook.com. A-N-D-I-C-O-O-K.com. Um, I have pages and pages and pages of job seeker tips out there. I have sample resumes. Um, you can contact me through there. All of my services are out there, but it, it's the easiest way to find me or connect with me on LinkedIn. I love adding to my LinkedIn network. Yes. Um, I think that LinkedIn is always good. I agree. So, um, so the last question that uh, we always do is always like the fun question. That's good. Um, so the fun question for today, what musician or band are you currently obsessed with? Oh, I am a music person. I know you are. That's so why I asked the question. I am this all question was... over the place, um, but I am like an old school R&B girl. And so it really, it's not current music that like drives my passion. Um, I've been just like playing really, really old stuff. Okay. Like Lenny Williams kind of old stuff and Teddy photographs. Teddy. Teddy. Nice. Like just chill music. And you can always tell like the stress level in my life by what I'm listening to. So if, it, if my music is very calm, you know, I just need to kind of mellow out. And if I'm like jamming out in the car... I'm like, let's go and I'll hide. But so I don't have a great, like, specific answer for that. I'm all over the place. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. And I just went on a road trip. So you, you all listen to all the music. Yeah. Allison? I like the oldies. I love it. I do. Like, uh, in, I think it's two weeks on the 29th, we're going to listen to a Beach Boys. Love it. You know, band at the Arboretum. So they have cool Thursdays. Huh. That is cool. Yeah. And so it's a cover band type thing. Yeah. I am currently obsessed with the band Pulp. Okay. And most specifically the song Disco 2000. <laughs> Fun times. I play it a lot. Awesome. All right. Oh, so before I forget, so I said I would give something away. So this has been coming up a lot with clients, which is um, culture questions, how to ask culture questions. And um, we did a Kevin at Your Career episode not too long back on on 